me and ask you to turn to the, the book of 1 Timothy. And believe it or not, when I was preparing this, it didn't hit me till all was said and done. And, and, and uh, I was at the church Friday night. We were at the church Friday night that this is the... Uh, Pretty much the same passage of scripture that we're that we've got for Vacation Bible School this week. Title of my message this morning is "Leaving a Legacy." It comes out of Second Timothy, chapter one. I'm going to be reading verses two through seven. And if you're physically able, out of reverence to God's word, if you stand, please. I said two through seven. I might as well start with verse one. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Keep forgetting whether or not I'm on tonight, today. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that is in you also. Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. May God bless us by the reading and the hearing, but most especially the doing of His Word. You may be seated. <coughs> Excuse me. Guys and gals, people, you know, we live in a day where our children are being raised by MTV. Does anybody remember when MTV used to be music? <laughs> you know, they're raised by MTV. The internet, video games, the street, their peers. Many homes have both parents working out of necessity or they're headed. Uh, this goes on because many parents are, uh, both parents work out of necessity or some household, some families are headed by one parent who has no choice but to work to put a roof over, over the children's heads, clothes on their backs, food in their stomachs. And because of this, our, our children are uh, on their own for the most part. Uh, what's commonly referred to uh, is, uh, as latchkey children. Many homes today, though, have both parents working for the niceties of life. They want a bigger house. They want a better car. They want more stuff. They want a higher social status because everybody knows that he who dies with the most toys wins. I'm sure many of you have seen that bumper sticker over the years. He who dies with the most toys wins. Let me tell you something. I don't know this from experience, but, but I've, got a pretty good, uh, I've gotten a pretty good indication that he who dies with the most toys just dies. <laughs> you know, you can't take it with you. But meanwhile, little Johnny and little Susie are at home alone or on the street interacting with computers instead of building relationships with mom and dad. And, and though this is a Father's Day message, it's going to apply to both mom and dad equally. They're given material things instead of the most precious thing, their time. And they're being taught that because of that, that material possessions equate to love. That, that if I give you enough, that's going to be an indication that I love you. And if I don't, you know, if, if I'm withholding things from you, then that means I don't love you. And so many parents do that, uh, do that because they don't want to give their kids the time that they need to give them. 
The Bible asks us, though, what does it profit a man if he gain the whole soul and, and lose the world? And many parents today are gaining the world and in a sense giving that world to their children, that they're, yet they're losing the very souls of those children that they claim to love. The Bible also tells us to train up a child in the way that he should go and, and when he's old, you know, he'll not depart from it. But America is training up a generation to go the wrong way. It's always, it's always about look out for number one. Me, me, me. Get all you can get. You know, it needs to be bigger. It needs to be better. If you don't look like this or drive this car or drink this soda, then, then, then you're nothing. And that's where our children are getting their, their sense of, of, of worth, if you will. But we as, uh, you know, we as parents and grandparents can give our children all the material comforts in the world and we can provide them with the best education money can buy. But folks, if we don't provide them with what they need, and that is Jesus Christ, then we as parents, especially us as dads, we have failed in providing our children with the most needful thing they'll ever have in their life. Now dads, I want to point out, and, and moms too, that when I say providing them with Jesus Christ, I'm talking about sharing Christ with them, showing the plan of salvation, and inviting them to turn from their sin and to turn to Jesus, because we cannot force our children to get saved. This is a situation where you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. I'm not saying if our children don't come to know Jesus Christ, Dad, that we failed as fathers. What I'm saying is, is if we haven't provided that avenue, if we haven't provided that opportunity for our children to come to know Jesus Christ, then we failed as dads. In Paul's second letter to Timothy here, he points out three things that, that are passed on from generation to generation, all stemming from a right relationship with God. And it's three things that I believe we as dads especially need to be passing down to our children. Again, providing the, the, the road, uh, the path, the opportunity for them to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. First thing we see here is we must pass down a spirit of, of power and of courage. You know, today's generation is scared of life. I believe most young people, if you were to ask them what they thought their future held, they would tell you that they don't know and they would tell you if they were pretty honest that they're kind of scared. We as adults, surveys are... are Every survey that comes out now says that, that we as adults and, and our parents before us, we are the first, if you will, two, I, I call it two generations, maybe it's one, we're the first generation since the inception of the United States of America that surveys say we believe our children are going to be worse off than what we were. In the 200 and some years of the United States of America, every group of parents, if you will, that have ever been surveyed, even back during the Depression, felt that their children were going to be better off as adults than they were. And we're, we've now reached a point in our country where most of us parents and our parents are saying, we don't think our kids are going to have it better. We think our kids are going to have it worse. We're raising a generation of, of young people who are afraid of each other. They're afraid of the world. They're afraid of life because they're being taught in school and on the street that they're insignificant. They're being taught that you're not a person created in God's own image, but, but that you're, you're, just, you're just a product of evolution. 
You've heard me say this many times before. They, they're being taught that you're a product of there was, there was some, you know, the earth somehow was created and there was some big dust bunny somewhere in a, in a pool of cosmic goo and then either a bolt of lightning or static electricity hit that, that cosmic dust bunny, if you will, zapped it and all of a sudden it became a, a single cell organism. And then it went from being a single cell organism to, a, to, to, to an ape-like creature, from that ape-like creature to, to us, like as I like to say, from the goo to the zoo to you. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not made in the image of a monkey. I'm made in the image as imperfect as I am of a God who purposely, purposefully created me, purposefully created you, and has got a plan and a purpose for your life. But see, they're not being taught that in school. They're being taught, you know what? We, this, this is all a cosmic coincidence. Everything that's happened on this earth, there's nothing special about you. And you can even tell it from... And guys, I'm going, to try, I'm going to try not to chase rabbits this morning, but I figure this is the only message. We're not coming tonight. So, okay, I just want to... Yeah, I said that trying to be funny and I lost my point. It comes out in the way they're disciplining, in the way discipline and whatnot is upheld in school. Because when a teacher or an authority figure tells a child something, well, you need to do this or you need to do that. And the question is like when they were two years old, why? Why, why, why do I need to obey this rule? And, and folks, I think lots of times, really on the surface, it might look like they're trying to be a smart aleck. But I think a lot of our young people really want to know why. What, what is the basis for this rule where, where for, for us as adults, those, those of us that know Jesus, we know that, that the basis of, of rules, regulations, laws, they, are, they were ordained by God to, to maintain order. To, to, if you will, to maintain discipline. To, to, just to, to, again, to maintain order. You know, there was a God that, that, that said, you know, God says this is what needs to be done because this is the right thing. This is the proper thing. But if a teacher's just telling a child, well, you need to do this because somebody at the school board office thought it up. Now, back in our day, that would have been good enough for us. You know, and, and it should be. But when you've got a generation of children that are growing up without God, and they're told that they're nothing, well, all of a sudden, rules and regulations and laws and morals all become relative. Well, you're just telling me that, that I've got to do this because some, somebody arbitrarily made the decision. Well, I'm going to arbitrarily decide not to, not to listen. What I'm getting at is the teachers don't even the, the, the teachers can't even mention God. Did y'all see the uh, the graduation ceremony in South Carolina last week where the valedictorian got up, pulled his pulled his speech out, and then he ripped it up and he recited the Lord's Prayer, and all the administration back behind him all of a sudden dropped their heads because they didn't know what to do because the administration had already pre-approved the kid's speech. But when he got up there, you know, he's like, my faith in God tells me I've got to talk about Him. You know, our teachers can't do that today. I remember when I was in the fifth grade, my fifth grade teacher, Nanny Cook. Now, mind you, I was still a city northern Yankee boy that had been down in Virginia for about two years. And remember those blue Bible story books that you used to see in the dentist and doctor's office all the time? She read from us, read to us every morning. And she, back then, she must have been about 80. I don't know. But I remember her telling us, she said, Now children, they tell me in Richmond 
that I'm not supposed to be reading this stuff to you. But she said, I'm going to read it to you every month. She, she would say that every once in a while. I'm going to read it to you, and if they don't like it, they can fire me. But she went, I mean, that was my first real exposure to the gospel. A teacher that had enough guts to, to, to thumb her nose at the system, if you will. But see, we're not, we're not getting that anymore. We're not, we're not, if you will, living lives of courage. And what I'm getting to here is if they're not getting it at school, then, then, then dad, it's up to us. It's up to mom too, but we as dads are supposed to be the spiritual heads of the family. And some of you might be sitting here saying, well, you know what, Pastor, I know you say that, but my wife's more knowledgeable than I am. My, my wife's the one with, with the most faith. You know, my wife is all these things. Well, you know what? I got, I got one word for you, and I'm saying this lovingly. <laughs> Commit yourself more to God. Commit yourself more to becoming more of the man God wants you to be. And even though the, 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 you know, the knowledge level and the faith level might not come up as much, but God's going to reward you for your obedience. Your family's going to reward you for your obedience. Because I know there's a lot of... I was having a conversation the other day with somebody that was talking about uh, uh, ladies in the church. And they're staying on this, that, or the other. And, and I'm a traditionalist. I mean, yeah, I'm a biblicist. I don't believe uh, that, that, that there's, there should be lady pastors. Uh, the Bible says that the, let the pastor be the husband of one wife. But they were talking about how it, they, they'd gone to a church where there were lady Sunday school teachers teaching adults and this, that, and the other. And my, my opinion on that is... is we should have men teaching wherever we can have them teaching. They should be there first and foremost because the men are supposed to be setting the example for everybody. But what I did tell this person was there are a lot of churches today that their doors would have been closed years ago if it wasn't for some faithful ladies in the church that prayed and taught and took up the slack because the men in the church wouldn't do it. And it's to their shame, the men's shame. And guys, it's to our shame if we're not the leaders in our homes that, that God has called us to be. Again, you might not be the smartest. Tammy, I've got the degrees, but Tammy's a whole lot smarter than I am. And I think my two boys there in the back would agree with that. You know. But it's a matter of being the man God wants you to be, being the mom God wants you to be, so we can have a spirit of power, excuse me, encouraged to teach our children why this is the way it is why we shouldn't do this why God calls us to live this way why even why God taught us that life is sacred we live in a generation today that's taught there's no sacredness to life look at this Yahoo in Philadelphia up in Pennsylvania that just got, got convicted of killing babies after they were born and yet there are people, there are women's groups out there that still would not condemn what this man did. Rather, they would say, well, that's all the more reason why we should have more quality women's clinics. No, what he did was wrong. Whatever your stand is on abortion or right to life, killing an innocent baby that's just been born is wrong. It's murder, plain and simple. But see, they're being taught in school today. They're being taught out in society today that, that there's no sacredness to life. You play a video game, you blow somebody away, all you got to do is push the reset button. Today's generation, 
It's taught there's no sacredness for life. They're not taught that you're created in the, in the image of a God. You're not fearfully and wonderfully made by a God who loves you because in society's view, there is no God. Or God is whatever or whoever you want Him to be. But see, Jesus Christ, as Paul was talking here to Timothy, his, his if you will, spiritual son in the ministry, he said, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, gives us the courage to live life. Not only gives us the courage to live life, but gives us the courage and the strength to live life according to the way God wants us to live our lives. Philippians 4.13 tells us, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now what we need to remember about that passage though, so many of us will take that and kind of use that as a, as a if you will, a go-to prayer to do whatever we want to do. Man, you know, I want to, I want to pull up I want to pull up and I want to move to Myrtle Beach and start a beach ministry. And then I claim Philippians 4.13. You know, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Guess what? If I were to pull up today and move to Myrtle Beach and start a beach ministry, I'd be back next Sunday. If you'd have me. <laughs> because that's John wanting to do it. What that passage mean is that, means is that God gives us the strength to do anything and all things that He lays on our heart. Amen. If God tells us to do something, He's not going not, not gonna to leave us out there on the branch by ourselves. If God calls us to do something, He's going to give us the ability to get it done. Or He's going to put the people in our past that will help us get it done. That's why you should never be afraid if you're asked to talk, if you're asked to teach Sunday school or, or vacation Bible school or, or sing in the choir or, or lead a small group or to do anything. You know, if you need to pray about it. And if God's leading you to do it, He's going to give you the ability through the Holy Spirit to be able to do it. So we as dads especially, we need to have a, a spirit of power and courage. We need to have the courage, dads, to, to, to say what is right is right and stand on it, even if our friends and the rest of the world say no. We need to have the courage and the strength to, to teach our children the right way to go and to explain to them why it's the right way to go. You know, I think in my generation, this is probably going to raise a few eyebrows here, back in my generation when I was 18 years old and I came to know Jesus Christ, when I, and this is just an example, but it's probably going to raise hairs because it's a wild example, but, but I think it fits the point. When in the young adult Sunday school classes we ever talked about sex, we were told the Sunday school lesson was simply, you don't do it because God said not to do it. Okay? There was never a time in those lessons where, where we were taken and shown in the Scripture where, where God's Word shows us how sex outside of marriage can, can physically damage people how it can psychologically damage people, how it can socially damage people, and how that when we do engage in sin, they never took us to any passages that showed us not only that our, th our sin separates us from God and interferes with fellowship, but it ne they never explained to us about how our sin grieved the heart of a holy God. How what we, whether it's that sin or any other sin, that when we commit it, it it's almost like crucifying Jesus Christ over again. That's right. You know? 
what I'm getting at, Dad, is don't be afraid to have the hard conversations with your children. But do it from a biblical basis. Don't just say because the Bible says it. Don't say because God said it. Show them in the Word where God said it and, and why He said it. And not just in that, but, but in everything. See, the, the, the problem is, is that we've gotten away from, a, even as Christians, we've gotten away from a biblical worldview. We claim the name of Jesus Christ, but in so many instances, so many, in so many areas of our lives, we still think like the world thinks. Instead of saying, well, what's God's Word have to say about that? When I was in the Navy, and I'm going to cut this short because I know I'm, I'm going late already. When I was in the Navy, we had a weapons officer. that I was a missile technician, and those of y'all that, that don't know what a missile tech is... Uh, the few of you that, that have, those, those of you that have been coming since I told the story the last time, I worked on nuclear missiles on submarines. Uh, I was one of the guys. If if I had the key with several other guys, I could push the button, and the world would be one big mu mushroom cloud. But we had a weapons officer. Whenever anybody would ask him a question, it used to irritate us. But me thinking back, it made sense. We would ask a question about something about the weapon system. And he would look at us and say, what does the book say? And what I always wanted to say was, well, if I knew where it was in the book, I wouldn't be asking you, sir. <laughs> you know, but what he said made sense. You know, if you want the answer to, to what the problem with the missile system might be, if you want the answer to how to operate the missile system properly, go to the book and see what the book says. And, and, and dads, we as Christians, if we don't know the... Well, whether we know the answers or not, we need to be willing, instead of taking a worldview on things, we need to be willing to take a biblical worldview. And when our children ask us questions, we say, well, let's take a look at what the book says. Amen. And if we don't know as dads, go to somebody that, that, that does know. You know. Maybe another pastor. <laughs> Maybe your Sunday school teacher, maybe the pastor, maybe some just maybe your own dad, you know, or, or a mentor. Ask them. Because we want to pass down a spirit of power and courage, and our children can't do that if they don't know how God wants us to live. Secondly, really quickly, we we need to pass down a spirit of love. He says, of power and love and a sound mind. The best way, folks, to teach love is to show love. One of the things I, I think I did well, but I, I, I wish, looking back now, I did it a little bit better because there's always room for improvement. I always wanted my boys to have no doubt in their mind that I love their mother. I wanted them to do that for two reasons. Number one, so that they could be secure in the thought that mom and dad are always going to be here. They're always going to be together. But also because I wanted to model for my boys how they needed to treat their wives should they get married. That's important for boys. But dads, it's also important for those of you that have got girls. Because if you're not modeling for your daughter what a godly husband looks like, Who knows what they're going to come home with? You know. I, I remember back uh, years ago, I heard a psychologist one time.